good morning. Um, again, like uh, Matt introduced earlier, my name is Brandon. I am half of your youth pastor here at Highland. Um, and Johnny's out. Johnny's out enjoying family time, some much needed rest. And so um, he asked me to bring the message today, and I, I'm very excited. Um, this is a message that God laid on my heart many months back. And, uh, and I just, I'm excited to get the opportunity to, uh, to bring it today. So again, uh, my name is Brandon. I, I was born and raised in church, probably like most of y'all. Um, I spent most, most of my free time in church. Um, my dad was a Baptist pastor, still is to this day, except he's on vacation too. So, um, I spent almost all of my free time in church, um, we were there Sundays and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and cleaning days on Saturday. We were there. We, we were always at church. And this, this kept on all the way through high school. Um, we, we were telling our students the other day, ah, we were there so much, Tyler and I, that they ended up just giving us a key to the youth building. We had a separate building in the church that we were raised um, for just the youth. They gave us a key. They were tired of us calling them at 8.30 on a Friday night saying, hey, we want to go hang out at the building. They were like, just just do it. Go ahead. So we spent all of our free time at church. Absolutely all of our free time was up there. Um, and then I moved to Lubbock. Um, I, I moved to Lubbock. My my wife, my, my fiance at the time lived there. Um, so I moved there. I had my own place. I started a job. Um, and, and church became minimalized for me. I, I began to focus more on work and on paying bills, crazy me, than I did in church. It got to the point where I was going maybe once or twice a month, but my focus wasn't on being there full-time like I was before. Um, I, I worked two jobs most of my time in Lubbock. Um, my only free day off was Sunday, and I just made the decision to spend that time resting. Um, I convinced myself that I didn't have time for it, even though I did. I, I really did. And so through our time there, through our, our two years living there in Lubbock, um, it, it was brought up recently. We were having a conversation earlier where my wife told me, you, you moved to Lubbock and you weren't the man that I had agreed to marry. And she was right. She was right. But we'll get back to that later. So two years in Lubbock, we moved back to Clovis and we jumped back into church full time. And by full-time, what I mean is I was there when my job would allow. Um, I, I worked full-time in restaurants, and as y'all know, restaurants on Sunday mornings are crazy. And so a lot of my times, amen, yeah, a lot of my times was on Sunday mornings were spent there, getting ready for Sunday lunch, getting ready for the craziness of the day, getting ready for inventory that night. So my focus, again, wasn't really on whether or not I was going to be in church or not. Then we came here. Some of y'all know that focus was still a little crazy until I left the restaurant business. So now here we are. We are at Highland full-time. Um, my wife will tell you again that we are up here pretty much every free moment that we have, um, whether it is getting ready for Sunday nights or Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or whatever we're doing. We're up here. We're spending our free time here. And... We're just, we're just eating it up. It is so much fun. So I explain all that to explain why I have such a love for what we do here, why I have such a love for church. 
Um, again, born and raised in church, spent all of my life in church. I have a deep, meaningful love for all things church. And not just our church here. I, I love our church here. There's no question about it. But I also love the church I came from. I love the churches that my friends pastor at. I love the churches that my friends started. I, I just, I love church. I love the idea of us coming together and doing this thing that we call church. So it's, it's really not a wonder of why I want to talk about why we do church. It's not a wonder to me of why God laid this message on my heart six months ago when all of a sudden I had lots of free time. It's not a wonder why I just just want to talk about this and, and want to dive into this today. And so it, it's nothing new, a pastor getting up on stage and talking about why you need to be here. If you've been in church as long as I have, you've probably heard messages like this a dozen times, at least. But I want to dive into the exact why. I want to look back at what they did back when Jesus was around and back when the disciples took over. I want to look at what they did and why they did what they did. So I want to examine the church and why it was created um, and, and what the, the word church meant. And of course, in this case, uh, what the word ecclesia meant when, Jer- when Jesus first used it. So now in that time, the word ecclesia was meant more as an assembly of people. It was a Um, a commission coming together or a meeting, um, but it wasn't a set building. It wasn't a set guideline. It it wasn't what we see church as now today. It wasn't nine o'clock Sunday school, 10 o'clock worship in this room and in those rooms. It was more of an idea and a concept of us coming together as a people. He was talking about a gathering in the name of the mission, and that mission was Jesus. So as we jump into our first few verses here, uh, we find ourselves in Matthew 16. And so Jesus, he's having a discussion with all of his guys, and and Peter specifically, and he asks them, um, what is everyone saying about me? So some thought he was reincarnation of one of the old prophets, uh, maybe Elijah, maybe Jeremiah. Some thought maybe he was even John the Baptist that had come back. Um, You know, John the Baptist, we see, had just been put to death, and they thought maybe he had come back to to share the gospel in the form of Jesus. But then he asks who Peter thought he was, and we start here in Matthew 16, 16. Peter answers him and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Bingo. Good job, Peter. High five. That's exactly who he was. That's exactly what Jesus had been teaching them and showing them all through his ministry with him. And because of that belief, Jesus goes on to state this. In 16, 17, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Blessed are you, Simon. We see see the, the word Simon here. We know that he had been named Peter and we see why moving forward. Verse 18, I tell you, you are Peter, renamed him on the spot. You are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when we look at this verse, when we see this verse and in, in what it actually means, there's three parts that we can focus on here. He said, I tell you, you are Peter. In their time, Peter meant 
Petros. It was a rock. It was a pebble. It was like the pebble you would see at a, at a park where the swings are. You know, when we all used to jump off the swings, land in the rocks, make a big crazy mess? Pebble, small rock. And on this rock, Jesus says, on this Petra, boulder, cornerstone, this big piece of foundation, on this rock, what is the rock he's talking about? The idea that Jesus was the son of God. On this idea that you just explained to me, Peter, who am I? I'm the son of God. That's correct. On this, we're going to go ahead and we're going to build my church. We're going to build my ecclesia. We're going to build the thing that I have been sent here to do. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. With you, Peter, you will be a part of the foundation, but you are a very small part. On this rock, on the idea that I am the son of God that has been sent back to to do this wonderful, amazing thing. On this idea, we are going to build this church. This is what this is Jesus's way of setting into motion what we were supposed to do when he was gone. We find this in Matthew 16. We see that he later goes to be crucified. He comes back to the guys. He gives them one final final commandment, and then he's gone. But before he's gone, he lays down the exact foundation of what we're going to do and why we're going to do it. We're going to build this community on the idea that I've been sent back from God. I am the son of God. I am the Messiah that's here to save you. Jesus himself sets into motion exactly what we're doing here today. He starts it here in Matthew 16. He explains exactly why we're doing it and what we're going to do. So when we move on, we see this plan in action. We see the disciples that were here with him this day in Matthew 16. We see them take this statement from Jesus and put it into play. They, they put it into action and they go forward with it. And we find ourselves in, in uh, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And he says, they, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they needed. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor in all the people, with, excuse me, with all of the people. And the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. So we see the disciples take this instruction directly from Jesus and put it into play. They they put it into action, they get it going, and they do exactly what Jesus had explained to them to do. And before this, in the beginning of Acts, which if if you're a believer and you're not familiar with the first few chapters of Acts, I urge you to go back and read it. It is some of the most fascinating scripture you will see, especially as a believer in Christ because you see exactly what these guys go through and you see them put into work a lot of the teaching that Jesus had laid on them for the three years they were together. We see Peter bring the gospel to thousands and the scripture tells us that the group of, that there was a group of 3,000 that came to know Christ that day. And then in chapter two, they come together, they fellowship, they helped each other, they built each other up and they came together as one. 
in the quickest way possible, looking at all these scriptures together, this is what the church was built on, what it was built for, and what the mission was. So why do we need church? Simply put, we need church because that's what Jesus's goal was for us all along. Being together, praying, reading scripture, making disciples. But I want to break it down even more than that. The first is fellowship. We see immediately in Acts chapter two, that's one of the first things they do. They come together, they, they fellowship together, they prayed, they broke bread in each other's homes. It's important that we spend time together as believers. It's important that when we come together as a church and we come together as a group of believers that we spend time together. It's what is mandated of us. It's what Jesus did with his guys and it's what we are called to do as well. It's important that we come together as a group of believers, say Highland Baptist, and that we spend time together, we learn about each other and that we grow together. And most important, it's it's important that we like each other. Because when you walk into a room of people and people don't get along, you can sense it. And when people walk into our church, they should be able to sense that not only are we here to worship Christ, but that we here in this room love each other. That we are here for each other, that we are praying for each other, that we are doing life together more than just on Sunday mornings. It's important that we come together as a group and we enjoy being around each other. Because really, honestly, as humans, it's easy for us to meet somebody and form an opinion and stick with that opinion. First impressions mean everything we hear. But it's important that even past that, we move past that. Because if first impressions were that important, I might not have married my wife. Ha ha ha, that's a funny joke. Okay, but really, I was in fifth grade, okay? I was in fifth grade. Um, We moved from the farm into town. Um, I, I started to attend a new school and we're probably, I don't even know, like two weeks into school. And I walk up to the teacher's desk with my paper and I'm standing there waiting and I get a tap on my shoulder. So I turn around and look and it's, it's my beautiful wife. And she said, you're not supposed to write over the line. It's like, dude, I don't even know you. I don't even know you. And you're telling me this. If I would have stuck with my first impression, I would have decided that she was too mean and too smart for me. She's not too mean, I can guarantee that. She is too smart for me, but that's on her, not on me. (laughs) But if I would have stuck with my first impressions, I never would have had the family that I have this today. But if we're making a conscious decision to come together with those next to us, and we start to form that community, we're going to grow this church as a whole and we're going to when people walk in they're going to be able to tell that we in this room love each other. And without community our mission becomes weaker. In Matthew 18:20 Jesus also states, "When two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them." If that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. Second, we must devote ourselves to scripture and prayer together. When we open scripture as a group of believers, God can unveil different ideas and meanings of what is being said um, throughout each other. I can view a piece of scripture in one way and you can read the same piece and see something completely different. And God unveils something completely different to you. 
Again, my wife is so much smarter than me. And I'm like, look at this really cool verse and how cool it is. And she looks at it and goes, well, I see it this way. And it's so much cooler. And it's so frustrating to me. But it, we, can, we can come together and we can look at scripture together and we can, we can look at it through the lens of everybody else. God can use the same verse you've read a hundred times and unveil something completely new to you. And it happens to me all the time. Second is prayer. If we are spending time together, if we are coming together in fellowship and we are getting to know each other on a very personal level, then we know exactly how we can pray for that person next to us. It's not that God doesn't know what they're going through, but when we can approach God with a very specific prayer, God, I know so-and-so is going through this. Please be with them this week. God, thank you for what you did in so-and-so's life. We praise you for that. When we are coming together, we can pray for each other more specifically. And when we're praying for each other more specifically, we're just, it's gonna blow up here. When, when we're able to, to spend our time and to spend our time with God talking about each other here and being thankful for each other here, we're just gonna continue to grow more and more. Lastly, they were discipling one another. We are called to make disciples. It's very plain and simple. It's one of the last things Jesus said to us before he ascended into heaven. We are called to make disciples. And that doesn't mean, that, ju- that doesn't just mean telling somebody about Jesus and hope they, feel, hope they feel the same way that you do. It's about relationship laid out in Jesus's ministry the way he did with his disciples. By spending time together, by opening scripture together, by growing together, this is how you make disciples. when we emphasize teaching and growing and correcting a specific person or a group around you in an effort um, that they go on and do the same for somebody else, it's growing everybody around us. When our idea is to build somebody up and send them to somebody else to build them up, we're just gonna continue that process of making disciples. And again, that's what Jesus told us to do. An example of discipleship we see in Proverbs 27 and again, I'm sure you've heard this verse a thousand times, but as iron sharpened iron, so one man sharpens another. In the process of growing and sharpening one another and making each other better also comes another part. This is one of those, this is one of those verses that I've read a thousand times and then somebody else had another thought about it and it blew my mind. So when you think about sharpening a knife, it is becoming sharper, but it's come, becoming sharper because you're tearing away the pieces of the metal that don't need to be there. When we're coming together and sharpening each other, not only are we making each other better, but we're making each other better because we're ripping away stuff that doesn't need to be there. I can come to you and say, I have this problem. We can work through it together. We can pray through it together. And as we're tearing that away, we're becoming better. If I would have attended church more when I lived in Lubbock um, and I would, have, I would have jumped into Bible study with men around me, if I would have attended and, and done things that were growing my faith more and more, then my marriage in the early stages would have looked completely different. They would have corrected my actions and my choices. They would have pulled me into being there every Sunday. They would have pulled me in there to being 
in a discipleship group or whatever you want to call it, they would have brought me in and I would have become a better father and a better husband. If I would have had one man feeding into me and helping me grow in my faith, I wouldn't have been in the place that I was. I would have been a man and a father and a husband that Jesus wanted me to be. Because when I lived in Clovis, I spent time with people that were in church constantly. I was in a discipleship group with Tyler and my brother, who is also a pastor, and our youth pastor that was overseeing us. I was spending time with guys that were feeding into me constantly and helping me grow. But when I moved to Lubbock, I lost all that. So when my wife looks at me one day and says, you're not the man that I was dating and that I was engaged to and that I decided to marry because she was right. I wasn't. I wasn't spending time growing and developing my faith in Jesus and developing as a man and as a husband and as a Christian like I should have been. And if I would have spent just a little time in church, a little more time with people around me that were feeding into me and discipling me more and more, our marriage at the beginning would look completely different. And it's not that we had a terrible marriage. It was just that I was one person that then moved to Lubbock and became a different person. But if I would have focused on my faith in Jesus, it would have looked completely different. So as we come to the end of this and we look at all this, um, we, we kind of look back at why we do this thing. Church isn't important because it's what is what is required of Christians. It's important because it's why it's what Jesus had in mind for us to grow all along. When he was building his group around him and explaining them and instructing them on what was going to happen after he left, this is what he had in mind. He had in mind for us to come together and fellowship and worship and pray and do all of these things together. That was his intention for us the entire time. He wanted there to be a way for us to continue to live the way he did with his disciples even after he was gone. He wanted us opening scripture together, building each other up and fellowshipping together. And whether that means Bible study on Sunday mornings or worship at 10 a.m. or coming together in our homes separately or or as groups and opening scripture together and breaking bread together and, and doing these things together as a community, There's no specific way that we're supposed to do this. But what we are supposed to do is come together. And today that means if you're looking for a place to call your church home, you have the chance to do that. If you're looking for a place and you just haven't, you haven't settled on one specific place or you don't really know, or maybe you just, you don't know where your relationship with Jesus is at the moment, this is your chance. You can come and be a part of what we're doing here as a church family because it's important enough for Jesus to not only show us how to live, but then he instructs us um, exactly what he means and exactly how we should be doing it. And if he's going to take the time to do that, it's important for us to, to follow through with those instructions. So again, if you're looking for a place to call home, you have that opportunity today. Um, If you're looking for the opportunity to be a part of a church that is committed to these principles, then you have that chance. My prayer for us today is that we dig into these ideas, that we dig into the idea that it is important for us to come together. It's important for us to spend time together. Um, 
opening scripture and fellowshipping and praying for each other. And not only that, but then building each other up. It's important for us to do that here as a church. It's important, again, for those other churches that I have connections to. It's important for all of us to be focused on these principles today because that's the only way we're gonna continue to make more disciples and continue to grow the church of Jesus.